All right. Well, hey, listen, everyone. Welcome to uh, to what has become the beginning of season two of the Imaginators podcast. Um, we are really excited to to jump into a new season of um, exploring what it looks like in the well with the explosion of imagination and creativity, the things of God, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, once again, uh, we are in metaphorically or in the that the word I'm looking for is it metaphorically not metaphorically it's anyways we're in the room yeah we're <laughs> digitally we're in the room in the room today this morning uh with me I'm Chris um we have as always Matt Downey hello bonjour from Montreal <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we have joining us this morning as our as our special guest we have Rick Barry. Um, who is uh, a pastor, vineyard pastor, is also um, a, a highly regarded visual artist and, uh, and just has, a, has been um, done some very deep thinking and exploring um, the things of creativity and imagination. And uh, so we're really excited to have him with us. Say hello, Rick. Hello, Rick. I mean, hello, hello. <laughs> Good to be here. <laughs> Good to be here in my house. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, we're in Nova Scotia. It's raining like crazy outside. <laughs> there we go. Um, well, what for, so this this particular episode, um, as we were contemplating, you know, what would be a good place to start for this um, season two, we realized that we are coming up very shortly um, to Pentecost. Um, which in the tradition of, of the Christian calendar is where we um, mark the explosion of the Holy Spirit into the history of the church in a whole new kind of way. That just seemed um, that a conversation about what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to move and breathe um, and disrupt in that context is absolutely appropriate and a necessary part of the conversation. And, um, and we also thought, you know, or as we were talking, particularly Matt and I, uh, a couple weeks ago, thinking about this, um, just the, the Celtic phrase, the Celtic expression and, um, and symbol for the Holy Spirit, uh, is very much, it's very unlike, um, a lot of the historical church, which would tend to lean towards a dove, um, in its imagery, but uh, the, the the Celtics um, they went for something that was uh, a bit more dangerous. They decided that uh, a wild goose was a far more appropriate image um, for their ex- experience of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's something that's really resonant about that for me too. So, um, so we're calling this the Wild Goose episode, which is uh, a, a, a celebration and exploration of the things of the Spirit. And um, so. Yeah, um, Matt, Rick, any thoughts as we jump in, just kind of jumping into the conversation? I was just thinking about um, the time I worked at an art gallery, uh, and one of the books they had there was uh, a copy of the Book of Kells, the Illustrated Gospels, and uh, on days when it wasn't very busy at the art gallery, I just had to sit at the desk and wait for visitors. Uh, I took this book down and I began to look through it. And to my uh, eyes, which are attuned to uh, North American artwork uh, and Western artwork, which is very realist, 
um, and maybe Rick, you could speak to this. The images were just jarring. Uh, they were not pretty uh, in some ways, and then you come across like there were like there were snakes and like tails and horns and uh, monsters. It seemed of some sort, and uh, this image of the wild goose. And I thought, well, that's not very attractive, uh, right? But there is something to choosing symbols that are not. Uh, softly softly rounded like cherubs would be or the dove or that are more angular and jagged and have bright colors and sharp edges and and combine different elements of different animals sometimes into what seems like a conglomerate monster almost but and it made me really really wonder what was these people's experience of God and of the Holy Spirit uh, that made them draw images of the divine or encounters of the divine in this way. And I thought, maybe there's something I haven't really experienced or come across in my limited uh, lifetime uh, of what and who the Holy Spirit is. And it just, it just really opened my mind a bit to not limit the Holy Spirit to very, very safe um, almost childlike images, right? Or like a, a nice little pet, if you want to go into the animal kingdom. But these, these were images of, I thought, these are just wild monsters and people I would not want to encounter in real life. Even the, the saints or the apostles that they had uh, illustrated, I thought, oh, these do not look like nice dudes. Like, I wouldn't want to meet them in a dark alley. Uh, but this image of the Holy Spirit being very safe and comforting, I think we have really emphasized a lot uh, because we all need comfort and the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. But this wild aspect of it, uh, I really came across first when I, when I uh, looked at the book of Kells and I thought, well, I need <laughs> to learn about this wild aspect, this uh, aspect that pushes me beyond what I what would be the safe like borders of my spirituality? Mm. I was just thinking, um, yeah, I, I haven't studied the Book of Kells. I've seen the Book of Kells uh, when we were over in uh, uh, Scotland. We went to a museum and saw a number of things that were quite amazing. Um, but from that period of time, uh, the early Celtic church would have been fairly isolated from the, the world of art going on in the, on the, on the main continent and, and especially in southern Europe and Italy. And, and uh, so you can imagine that the symbolism for them was most important, that if we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit or show the Holy Spirit, it must be in the context of a spiritual world and you have good and evil and you got the, you know, it, it would have been fairly gritty rather than, um, decorative art for a wall. It's in it's in the the Book of Kells. Is a, here is a uh, Christian literature decorated to amplify the sense of good and evil, the the spiritual that's unseen. So I think there's some of that 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 that's at hand. But then what you said I really like is that, like Aslan, uh, you know. Uh, the Spirit of God is not tame at all, and there's a, a 
powerful undercurrent of what God is doing that if he could get our attention, that would be a little more gritty than what we, how we usually domesticate the Holy Spirit. Mm. I know for me, for me, um, like, so kind of, um, the actual experience, I don't know if you guys, if either of you, um, have had experiences with a goose, um, like in, in the wild, is that, have you guys had, so, um, because it's, it's funny, like your reflections on the imagery in, um, in the book of Kells, um, which, which I've seen kind of in passing, but haven't, haven't looked at too closely. Um, it's very resonant with my own, I've had a couple of experiences. Um, uh, one, uh, one is part of the mythology of my childhood, um, because I don't, I don't remember it, but uh, we, we spent a brief period of time um, when I was about three years old. Uh, we had moved to Alberta, and uh, we were living with my aunt and uncle on their farm. And um, I guess I took an interest, there, there was a, some, some geese around the yard, and I took an interest in, in one, and then it took an interest in me. And, uh, and the story goes that it chased me all around, all around the yard, nipping, nipping at me. And, um, you know, the punchline to that story was that, that my uncle got involved and we had a great feast that evening. Um, oh yeah. no, that poor <laughs> Sorry for goose. for the sensitive folks that are out there. <laughs> so you, you killed the goose. What? I, we killed the goose. Yeah. Well, my uncle, my uncle did, but. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, these, these things have a way of, um, these experiences have a way of needling themselves into our understanding of, of the world. And so, um, uh, I wouldn't, I mean, I, it would be overstating it and I'm going to get this from people who know me, but it would be overstating it to say that I have like a fear of birds because I, I don't, um, but I do have a very healthy respect for aggressive birds and, um, uh, and a couple of years ago, um, uh, my wife and I, uh, Olivia and I were on Toronto Island. It was a beautiful day. It was a spring day and it was our first kind of foray out biking, uh, like bicycling. And so we were biking around and, um, we came up on, I, we came up on this one area of this park we were in and we kind of split, like she went one way around this building and I kind of went another way for whatever reason. And the, um, and, and she, I guess she inadvertently must have gone near a nest. And anyways, I hear this, I hear the scream. I can't see her at this point. I hear this scream and I see her, um, hightailing, uh, on her bike, uh, with this massive goose just coming like bearing down flapping hard i mean and in my imagination the wingspan is like six feet i'm sure it wasn't that but it it, this was an aggressive moment and i have to contend in that moment with my own sense of self and uh manhood and do i do i do the 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 thing that's in my heart and run away (laughs) (laughs) um and uh, and I realize that I can't live with myself if I do that. So so I go and I and I I run in um, to to try to save my wife from this from this violent creature, powerful creature, uh, and it and it redirects at me. And I it, 
the end result, and people can't see my hand motions here, but I end up, I'm off my bike and I'm waving my bike, trying to keep this thing from attacking me. And I end up falling over and my bike on top of me. And uh, it, it was one of the most pathetic moments of, of my life. But Prophetic, um, did you say? Yeah, p- pathetic actually was the word I was, yeah, it was the word, but, uh, but we, can, we can go for that too. Um, but anyways, the, the image of the wild goose and the Holy Spirit um, is one that for me, just because of my own experience with, with the creature, um, it reminds me that there's something, like I, what I love about it is that there is something that is dangerous and, and um, uh, untamed and um, and I know what it is to be chased down by one of these things. You know, and when we talk about a wild goose chase as a colloquialism, as an expression, you know, that tends to be like you're look you're you're what you're searching for is a is a lost cause, right? You're on a wild goose chase, it means that you're not going to grasp the thing. But in my lived experience, a wild goose chase is um is like the exhilaration of being chased down, <laughs> of being disrupted, of encountering um, encountering something that because they don't look they don't look so fierce, um, and you know there's something that if you don't know what you're looking at, it can appear docile, um, and yet they actually have a fair amount of power and and the ability to well they they have my my respect and so. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that that's a typical experience for me of the Holy Spirit of being chased down and fearing for my life necessarily. Um, but I love, I love how that imagery, um, it just quickens something in my heart a little bit. It makes me take seriously what, what comes next. And, uh, and if the Holy Spirit is anything like a goose when, when there's pursuit involved, particularly the pursuit of me, um, I think I'm game for that, you know? So anyway, so as, as we've been reflecting, I just, I know I had to tell the story first of all, because I love telling self-effacing stories where I end up looking, you know, not, not so sharp at the end of it for whatever reason. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's something in that. There's something in that experience of, of God that's, that's a little bit unsettling or, un, you know, or that knocks you over, knocks you flat on your ass, which, yeah. um, Yeah. That's cool. I was just thinking that the, I mean, I was, I was teaching last Sunday on the paraclete out of, out of, um, hang on, John 14, and, and the, the, the comforter that would be sent, the paraclete comforter, it sounds so domesticated, because the, 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 the Romans called, or the Greek soldiers but Romans as well, but uh, fought this way, that they would have a paraclete. Their comforter was this guy who'd stand, partner who'd stand back to back to them in a, in a battle. And it's anything but domestic. And so the word comforter is sometimes a bit, it takes it maybe down a, a different path with the Holy Spirit, as though the comforter's sweet only. And, and, it, and the Holy Spirit is a comforter, but also a defender, and I see you with the bicycle. <laughs> That's a good picture. Fending <laughs> off the Holy Spirit. Or this, this, and then falling flat on your back. But there's something 
that it's like the Holy Spirit engages us and gets us into stuff, not to conflict, but into he engages us with life and, and, and with again with hidden things too. There is something there. I'm thinking image-wise what I would paint. I'm still not into goose as my Holy Spirit image. I'm more into eagle, you know. Uh-huh. But. And that's interesting. Uh, this might be a parallel thought and not on the direct path. But um, when I was uh, when I just met Dean, I believe. Anyway, I don't remember. Many years ago, Dean asked me what my favorite animal was, and at that point in time, I said. Um, you would think the cat, but no. Uh, I said, a, I said a duck, and he thought that was the strangest thing. Well, I said a duck can swim and walk and fly, and I said I can only really do one of those things well. And wouldn't it be great to have that diversity and freedom? Like, uh, and the same thing with the goose, right? I think they're they they can be on land they can be in the water they can be in the sky they're at home in all three and i envy birds like that sometimes i think ah i only do walking and running really well the rest of it you know i flounder in the water i can't even get in the sky without you know big jet engines um so this idea of being at home in many different realms and being able to move through the space with ease and grace and power uh so that kind of is my image of Holy Spirit a little bit, is this ability to um, be in many different, um, not it could be forms, but in, in just to navigate through different types of spaces and take me there in, in, in some way or help me through those spaces, which I am not at home in. Uh, so in that way, the comforter or the one who stands beside or or um, walks with, I think, yes, I need a goose to walk me through deep water or a goose to help me fly. I mean, the imagery is falling apart here. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, just the idea of being at home in a multitude of, and I don't know what the word is here, a multitude of uh, different ways of going through life and earth. The world, actually. What I think is really... Yeah. Earth, wind, fire. No, earth, wind. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> One of the things Water. that I find really interesting um, is, you know, just an exploration of, so, so here we have a segment of, of Christendom, a historical Christendom. And, um, you know, so part of the reason uh, why we would associate classically a dove with the Holy Spirit as image is because that's the symbolism that's represented in the scriptures, right? You've got the image of the dove coming down on Jesus when he's been baptized. And, and that is, that is the biblical imagination coming to life there. What I find interesting is this idea of a culture um, that has a, a certain freedom to allow their experience of life, their experience of culture um, and their own imagination to kind of intermingle and to, um, I, I think in a way that's not disingenuous to the scriptures and to the imagination of the scriptures, but to actually kind of come together like that. So the wild goose as an imagery is actually, um, it's, it's us reflecting, it, or it's, it's a culture that's reflecting its imagination into the narrative of, of God, essentially, and the narrative of their understanding of who God is. And I find that... 
to be really um, a bold statement. Um, just that you have this, you know, um, it, it's it, for whatever reason, and I we, when we could project that would probably probably be a dangerous thing to do. Um, but you have this idea that some somebody somewhere said, you know, um, the dove. Yeah, there's something in that, but for us, we need something with some teeth, right? And so they <laughs> and so they go for this wild goose, and um, you know, of course, you know, there can be some 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 danger. Or some, or some caution that we can employ when we start um, bringing innovation into the imagination of Scripture. Um, but there's something beautiful. It, I think that it's, in this case, at least for me, I would say that there's a gift in that. Um, and so I don't know if either of you have any reflections on that, but just the this idea of allowing our imaginations to... Um, to partner with the imagination of Scripture and to bring some innovation to our imagery... Um, innovation even outside of or in, in, in addition to some of the things we see in the scriptures. Mm. Thoughts? I've been looking at, uh, and Rick can add to this too, I've been looking at uh, symbolism in more of the political realm. So the symbols that countries choose for themselves, basically their national animal or political symbols. Eagle is very popular. Uh, and lion, those are the two most popular to be used as symbols of uh, a country or symbols of power. So uh, you had this in the Roman Empire, the eagle, uh, lion very much in UK history. But these are the symbols of power, and they're like the animals that are at the top of the food chain or uh, seen as... um, they're they're predators in some way, right? So that was mm-hmm. be important in if, if you're representing a country that could conquer all other countries. You're you're predators, uh, and I find it interesting that in what we find in the scriptures is in contrast to the lamb to the lion, we find the lamb that was slain, and in contrast to the eagle, the Roman eagle, we find a dove. So I think some of these symbols are actually political statements being made about the nature of the kingdom of God. Uh, so that's why we have more a more peaceful symbol, per- perhaps, than a the strong symbol. You get it later in the fire, right? And then the unpredictability and strength of the wind, a strong desert wind. You know, you can't, yeah, you know, that's good. everything's flying around. You get the strength elsewhere, but it's not a predatory strength. And I think that's important um, and not, I don't know, maybe for Chris, maybe Wild Goose is a predator. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, I just connecting that, that these were the symbols that were chosen were, were making political statements. So I think for us to imagine them, reimagine these symbols in our time, uh, I really think that that's helpful uh, in realizing, in looking at our own symbolism and then reimagining, and what would be the symbol of the kingdom of God, of the spirit yeah. of the kingdom for our time, and not to just readily adopt the symbols that are given, um, mm. whether from a time or from, uh, from another time, right? Our time or from another time. That's, that's fair, too. I, I think symbols are <clears throat> need to be contextual. They need to be symbols that work within culture within language, within, um, uh, and for different generations. But um, there are some undergirding 
aspects of the way the Holy Spirit is described in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. So uh, let's say Jesus was um, speaking in Aramaic and it's translated later to Greek. Fortunately, what he might have said when he talked about spirit, uh, like in John four to uh, John three to uh, Nicodemus, he he said, um, "So it is those who are born uh, of the spirit, no, like they're like the wind. You don't know where the wind comes from or where the wind goes." And in Hebrew, Aramaic, ruach was wind and spirit. It was the same. So we get that. That's a good symbol that has really literally bears up the aviators, the, the, the eagles, but more. Here we're talking about the wild goose, and there's something there about we don't know why or where the early Celts got the, the goose symbol, but there's something about wind, something about wild. And I like what you're saying because I never thought about this, and it's, this, the goose isn't predatorial. But uh, there is a mystery, the way the goose, uh, the geese will fly away in, in, the, in the cold season and then come back later. Maybe there was a migratory aspect to, to geese for the Celts. And, and, and so here comes the geese, like the wind coming, uh, the ruach. And it's interesting because in Aramaic or Hebrew, the, the word for uh, stranger, wayfarer, is orach which is the same root as Ruach. Like, so the stranger comes, from, we're not tr- sure where the stranger comes from, like the wind. So wind and stranger, Jesus, I'm coming, I stand at your door and I knock. It's very much this picture of, of this uh, Jesus coming, the Holy Spirit comes, we're not sure where the Holy, very wild, not sure where the Spirit's come from, where he's going to take us, but there is that. So I go with the goose. I'm, I'm getting converted to the goose idea a little bit here, so it's good. <laughs> um, the other thing that uh, I find, just because um, I find the Bible gives us a lot of portraits of things instead of the, this is that, you know, direct connection, the Holy Spirit is the dove, there's a portrait being painted. And part of that is the fire and the wind and... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, breath and speaking and all of this creating. But the other thing I noticed just in in looking around the Pentecost story is that there's a group. They're together, whereas the goose or the dove, these are very solitary kind of symbols. But then you get the group dynamic, which is very reflective of the nature of God, the Trinity, the communal aspect. So you have this idea of people waiting, and they're waiting in a group, or they're together. And I think, that really speaks a lot to my experience with the Holy Spirit, is that it's usually together with other people, and mm. there's usually a significant really? amount of waiting that is either happening or has happened. Well, and there's something, too, you know, Rick, Rick alluded to, you know, the migratory element of this. and I mean, not to, not to flog the metaphor, but I think that there's still some, Go ahead. some merit in this, right? There's Not to flog <laughs> the geese. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the formation... Um, you know, this flying in formation thing, this, you know, these V forms that literally, you know, cut the sky in a visual sense um, in the autumn time. Uh, it, you know, there is something about that. And, and we have, it's, you know, we, so right down the road from us, um, where one of our, like our park, our main park in Kitchener, um, it's called Victoria Park. And, uh, and it is all summer long, just a haven for, um, there's just, 
I would say hundreds, if not thousands of, of geese um, kind of throughout to the point where you have to really watch your step um, because of residue, shall we say, um, left behinds. Um, <clears throat> You know, but they really are a, a congregational. I mean, they get into fights in a lot of ways. I mean, I suppose, I suppose, looking at a flock of geese, you may you might find a stronger metaphor for you know the body of Christ in terms of uh, what it looks like to try to find peace because there's some war that takes place. Um, hmm. You know, but there is something in the transition in the journey together that I find absolutely stunning. The, the these forms that go and. Um, I like. I love looking at the stars. That's one of my favorite things to do. As a young man, I w- would have called myself an amateur astronomer. I wouldn't be so bold now, but um, but I love to do that. And um, so in the fall, typically or late, let's say late August, um, I can think of a number of times where I've been out on, in the backyard just looking up at the stars, and um, and all of a sudden a V form of geese flying, cutting the night. And uh, because of the, um, the city lights and their white underbelly, um, it's like this, it's almost a ghost, this V ghost that just sort of cuts out of nowhere. Um, and and it's, uh, there's something that is very um, spirit-like about that in my, in my mind's eye. There's something of the, of, there's mystery in it Mm. um and uh and it's also an extremely in again in my memory of this happened maybe maybe it's happened two or three times um this particular scenario but there's something that's so beautiful and unexpected i think is a really important element of what i'm remembering um with this these you know who expects to see a v formation at night of white you know and I wouldn't presume that the that the Celts would have had that experience, you know, not having uh, electronic lights kind of lighting up their entire city. So, but maybe there was some of that. Maybe, maybe in the setting sun there was something of because the, the geese have this white underbelly that is quite reflective. And um, I don't know, there was something that was it as we were talking. This memory came into my mind, and I just whether it fits or not, I think it's a it's a worthwhile moment to mm. <laughs> reflect on. So. I'm just thinking um, how how you might put that into a verse or song, the poetry of it. It'd be interesting. Yeah, like the 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 this. What's the song? Uh, Chase me down. Uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some <laughs> current images of Holy Spirit of God coming and and not giving up on us and and looking for us and that sort of thing and the mystery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is an interesting sort of vernacular currently, this idea of, um, and I think I mostly like it. Um, I think you're referring to, there's a song that's kind of very popular right now. Um, I think it's the Reckless Love song. Yeah, Reckless Um, Love, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Corey Asbury. And um, the interesting thing about it is, and I've I've seen this crop up different times, but I, th- I think often we look at our role in the story as being the pursuer. We are the seeker, right? That's a, that's a common phrase. If somebody, you know, if somebody comes into a community and they're, and they're not sure who God is, they come to a church community, we would call them seekers, right? Um, and there seems to be a little bit of a shift in, um, at least in our, in our context um, of, of 
of church and, and experiencing God together, um, of the shift from being the seeker to the sought. Um, and, you know, the, the wild goose chase again, like back on that, when you're chasing, when you're chasing the goose, you're in a lost cause. There but you if go. you're the, but if, but if you're, but if the you're goosey. being sought by, if, yeah, if you're <laughs> goosey, I don't know if I want to go there, but <laughs> if you're being, if, sorry, sorry. If you're, if you're being, um, no, <laughs> no, no, Rick, this is the fun stuff. This oh, is, okay, good. <laughs> um, no, the, uh, um, but when, when a goose has you in its targets, uh, it will be reckoned with, mm. right? And, um, and I think in terms of uh, maybe shifting gears just a little bit, if unless, unless you guys have um, some other things you want to say, uh, kind of in the direction we've been going. But so as a creator, as, in a, as a, um, an artist or whatever, um, when I, I was reflecting on what it, what it looks like to, inv- to invite the Holy Spirit into the creative process. Um, and, and I was reflecting on, you know, am I, what is the nature of the relationship? Just this whole thing of the seeker and the sought, it really actually is, is kind of a natural thing because, um, am I seeking after, after the Holy Spirit, trying to, trying, you know, we do this and I like, and I love the prayer and it's a classic vineyard prayer. Come Holy Spirit. It's been prayed for a, a lot longer than we've been around. And, I'm not knocking that at all. Inviting, inviting the Holy Spirit into a space. Saying that we're willing to partner and willing to be moved by him. And, um, you know, but in my experience, and you guys can reflect on this because you, you may have had a different experience, but those moments that I would say I could most clearly and honestly, um, yeah, say that the Holy Spirit moved and as a result of that movement, there was something creative on the other side of that that came through me. Um, <clears throat> it really, in my mind, it feels a lot more like being found than finding. You know, it feels a lot more like being, like being a sail that's caught a wind rather than trying to chase, some, trying to chase the wind. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say that it's, it's, you know, waiting to be found is, is, you know, creatively, is that, is that a thing waiting to be found? I don't know that it's a passive thing, but do you guys have any reflections kind of in this direction or is this, maybe your experience is completely other than that. And that's, that's cool too. Matt. Um, (laughs) <laughs> this is interesting because uh, this isn't necessarily to the creative process or specific to the creative process, but um, I very often open our meetings when we gather as a church community on Sunday mornings. So I'll open it and I'll say, I'll welcome the Holy Spirit, and then I'll pause for a minute and I'll laugh internally, like, that's such a silly little image. <laughs> but it because I think the Holy Spirit is already here, has called every single person to come, has prepared a feast for us, and then we show up to someone else's feast and we say, come. 
You know, I just think I, I laugh every time. And I, and I, you know, I incorporate that into my opening prayer as well, that the Holy Spirit has called each one of us. Uh, but the fact that we're, I said, we're just recognizing that right now we're taking a moment to say we are coming and you are coming and we're coming together. Right. So that's, to me, that's the shorthand of the, the, the prayer is the shorthand, come Holy Spirit, but it actually means that I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit has invited me or called me. And in my mind, somehow, that translates into inviting the Holy Spirit by showing up as a guest myself in some ways. I don't know. It's, it, I, just, I, I smile every time I think of that because I think the language is peculiar, but I really, really like it in some way because of the story that's, uh, that the backstory that I have with that prayer. And I think the creative process to me has a lot of this back and forth happening as well. Push and pull, coming together. Uh, it's like a, a dance in some way where one is leading and then it suddenly feels like maybe you're accidentally leading or not, or not leading. I'm usually the follower in a, in a dance situation. But sometimes there's so much freedom given to me by the leader that I think I could do whatever I want right now, and they're just enjoying it, whatever I'm I'm bringing to the dance. So in that way, I'm yeah. I'm leading or I'm f- filling up the space with whatever I bring. So the creative flow. Mm. I mean, sometimes it's just painful and lots and lots of waiting, and wrestling. Um, but sometimes it is like a dance, and there's a lot of back and forth. Yeah, I go with that. Yeah, the back and forth uh, uh, sense that, like, okay, give you a quick example. If I'm, I have an image came to my mind. I have no interpretation for it, but it's just a really great uh, colors contrasts of a figure and in the particular light. And that's that. That's the creative image. But what then? That's what I have. And then in the. What, what the Holy Spirit begins doing is giving some meaning to it so it shifts a bit and I make a new discovery I've never actually thought through before as I am right now about the whole goose thing it's not that I haven't thought about the wild goose but I've, I've often rejected the imagery just, you know, it's, it's not really cool and, uh, uh, it's, and, and yet what I'm getting is this push-pull, God giving me a little more. So I have some image ideas, and, uh, and I'm looking for there, that to be teased out in a different direction. Now, put the goose aside as an image. I have a picture that came to me while we, you were talking of a person sort of standing it's a, uh, at a, like a, when you get picked up at a train station or bus station and you get all your luggage and you're trying to drag it away from the the mode of transportation and you're looking around like who's here to pick me up and the person just drops everything and in that moment of dropping everything there's a kind of a discovery I don't need it I don't need any of this for what I'm being picked up for or something so it's 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 a particular fragment of a moment that says so much and, and that is, for me, a convergence of my creative idea along with a, a meaning that comes to me that I would n- otherwise not have had. And it's very much of a, this, very, this particular moment of w- w- which is captured 
by an image that everybody who would look at it would go right away. There's something that they just discovered and they're giving up all their baggage or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what it looks like. Uh, I forget where it began. Um, (laughs) It's the the spirit coming and going. We don't know what we're doing. Uh, When you were just describing that image, which is like a moment of inspiration or being filled with uh, a breath of something that you feel like was not necessarily the linear line that you were following. Um, I know I lost what I was going to say. Ding. Uh, Oh, this moment of recognition. I find that in a group setting, let's say I'm in a a worship setting or something, sometimes I will just pause and there will be a moment of recognition. I'll recognize something or someone and I don't even, I can't even articulate it, but I just recognize it as holy, as divine, as familiar, yet disruptive and different. And to me, like one of the questions that I wanted to ask is how do you recognize the presence of the, or the manifest maybe, presence of the Holy Spirit? And to me, it's, there's a recognition and at the same time, there's a strangeness about it because it has come from outside what I know. But mm-hmm. I recognize it in a way enough to know, ah, that's, that is something or that is, mm-hmm. I catch a glimpse of Jesus or of love or of peace or of uh, feeling at home or belonging. And it usually happens yeah. in a group setting for me. So I just had this phrase pop to mind that I think speaks to that. What does that recognition look like? Um, and I hope I can. I hope I can do this. Um, but I was at a uh, at a gathering last week in Campbellsville, Kentucky, um, called Songs and Stories, which was an absolutely astounding time. Um, it was really, really valuable. But um, so there was a new song that was introduced and uh, it was written um, by Sarah McMillan and a guy named um, Andy Squires. And uh, just to shout out, um, if you guys have, if anyone's listening and you haven't heard of Andy Squires, um, you can buy me a drink next time as thank you, uh, but go buy his album. Uh, it's just really, really good. Um, Anyways, they had they introduced this new song, and I'm not going to give it away because I don't think it's recorded, and this may be entirely inappropriate. But there's one line that just uh, ironically took my breath away. It was mm. a, it was a song of remembrance, um, kind of looking back. So if you're in a dark place or a difficult place, what does it mean to not forget where you've been? What does it mean to not forget what? what it tastes like when God, or what it, what it smells like when God comes into the room kind of thing, which is a problematic God coming into the room as we've already talked about. Of course he's there, but we'll let it, we'll let that lie for a second. And the line is, um, uh, I can't forget the sound. Um, what is it? Can't forget Essentially, I'm gonna I'm, I'm butchering it obviously, but it's something like I can't forget the sound um, in the room just before a dead man comes to life. 
and there's but there's obviously a turn of phrase, but it's this idea of there's a sound before just in the split second before the resurrection breath, right? And um, and that struck me so much. Just the um, it looks so different, and and the experience that I have had personally of the Holy Spirit over the years has been everything from absolutely Gentile to, um, or Gentile, gentle. (laughs) That I might edit. That that I might edit out. We'll see. Listener, you will, you will know or you won't. Gentle. (laughs) God, the Gentile. That's perfect. Okay. Holy Spirit. Um, gentle. Um, or I've had experiences with the Holy Spirit that could really only, be described as almost violent in its in force, right? I mean, just the whole spectrum. Um, but for me, I've never had an experience of God that didn't feel in some way animating, bringing something that was dead to life, a capacity, a capacity to uh, perhaps it was a feel, a feel, a, a feeling I didn't know I could feel anymore, or that I'd never felt before. Or what is it like when you encounter a color you've never seen before? Um, you know, and, and and you or you have a capacity to see a color that you hadn't seen before. Um, that yeah. to me feels very much like the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. That would be maybe one of what I might personally describe as a, as a fingerprint of the Holy Spirit is that sense of animating power, like reanimating kind of resurrection animating things. So, um, as you were, as you were, uh, sharing that, that was kind of what was coming to me Mm. as I was going through the catalog and that moment. Wow. Good. I'm, my eyes are going around. I'm, Thinking, thinking, wow, images. It's a great way to get images, ideas. Wow. Hmm. Rick is I, just, I can see it on his face right now. He's planning an entire series of paintings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I started some in Edmonton when we were there, and, and I came home, and, and all of the paintings were very much uh, waiting on the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit encounters and, and the unexpected. That's the feel of them. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing a, teach, uh, sort, a teaching on the source, referring to the Holy Spirit, the source. And it's almost like every, uh, nothing is, is, anything God does or everything God does or is, is beyond what we're expecting. That's all. But def- definitely is when the source uh, of God's presence is there. It's totally recognizable, but but unexpected. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Hmm. I wonder if I could ask Rick a direct question, um, because yeah. you do the confluence of the arts, which is creatives working together in the same space, being informed and inspired by each other. Um, and I wonder what that looks like when we are put ourselves in a posture of wanting to embrace the bringing what we have and then being uh, very, very open and expecting the unexpected in some way, like carving out a space for that uh, by putting ourselves in contact with 
with creatives that are not like us or people who are not like us and will obviously bring something that we would never think of. I don't know if you want to speak Mm. to that. Yeah, we do that. (laughs) uh, This is similar to what we're doing now, but the idea of coming together without an agenda, but being ready with the uh, mutual influence of other artists who are in different media too. Um, a painter, a dancer, a poet, a, a writer, a storyteller, a, a sculptor, and, and they're all together and, and, and they're beginning to do little creative things which then inspires you know, the person next to you and they take it further and then it comes back to you. And as long as you can let go of any of your uh, com- whatever we, we don't usually see any competitiveness, but you let go of your ego and you begin to just um, give and then receive and discover. And um, it's quite amazing the kind of things that, that emerge. And it does send artists back to their studios, so to speak, for months and months with ideas. And often it localizes us in a particular theme of what we have a feeling God may be saying. But even in that, uh, the, the, the div- there's so many different streams of what God is saying. Um, it, it, it comes to us at so many levels, not just one simple theme, but many levels. So yeah, th- there's something about um, allowing God to speak into us in this inspirational way through other people, through their creative process, and letting our process influence theirs. That's what confluence is, flowing together of many rivers, confluence. And and hopefully it's not just muddy water afterwards, you know. Have you ever, yeah. <laughs> Although muddy water, muddy water is the place. If you look, <laughs> a lot of good songs have come from yeah. towns, Banked oh, muddy on water. muddy waters, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if, um, if, if each of us or you guys or whatever would would be able to reflect on a moment in your experience where, um, where you could, where you would, would say that you had creative output that was in some, that you would say had a direct correlation to um, the Holy Spirit in the moment or, or, or breathing in and through or partnering with or, you know, whatever that looks like for you. <laughs> I have a lot of stories, but... Um... I think, uh, yeah, I'll just pick one from the archives. Uh, this was when we were, um, you know, the whole renewal that happened in the Ontario region there and in Toronto in particular. Things were very animated uh, in many ways. <laughs> and this was, I think, right at the beginning of that. We had um, a guest prophetic speaker coming through the church and I was um for uh, I'm actually a very timid shy person I know no one believes that but I am a timid and shy person and so one of the things that the speaker coming through town did is she would just uh point to people and say you 
get up and do do you know give us a song or give us a prophetic word or make a proclamation and we're and I'm just going oh my goodness like hide behind a bench this this is so uh, in an uncomfortable place for me in position for me at that point in my life but she pointed and she said you come up and sing a prophetic song and the other thing that I'm shy about is my singing voice I just think it it's not all that good right um, so I was just in that moment of I don't want to be up here I don't want to be singing a song I have nothing in my mind like you know, one of those can I just disappear into the ground moments but then you calm yourself down and I just closed my eyes and I said well I'm here I'm available God what are you doing in this moment what could I give to these people here that would be a gift from you? And the only thing I had in my mind was the song, Up, Up and Away in My Beautiful Balloon. So I thought, well, I guess that's what I'll sing. Like, I just, you know, it just can't get any worse at this point, really. <laughs> so, right, I mean, the worst thing is to stand there and do nothing, right? So I just began to sing up, up, and away in my squeaky little voice. And and then other words came, and I was just singing about uh, flying and being lifted and having the spirit just underneath my wings and uh, the sensation of being, I don't know, of, of first flight, you know, of, you know, taking first mm-hmm. steps, of first flight, of of something, of breathtaking happening, and it's not by my own power, which was actually what I was doing while I was singing this. And I could sense it. I mean, my eyes were closed, but I could sense that the room was with me in some way. The spirit was in the room. And I finished, and I opened my eyes, and it's like it's all quiet. And you know that the, the breath, you know, the moment before, you can feel something comes to life. And I thought... Well, thank you that I didn't just stand up there and do nothing or stumble around. But the other thing I thought is this is what the posture is for uh, engaging with the Holy Spirit or doing this Holy Spirit dance is a posture of I'm available and Mm -hmm. I want to help give good gifts to the people that are here. And that has informed my entire... um, creative and pastoral ministry, my question is always, what gift do you want to give to these people? I would like to help you give that gift. Because the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts. And so it's this giving and receiving. But always remember that yeah. uh, as, a, as someone in a position of leadership in some way or a creator, I'm receiving Equally, my task is to give, to give good gifts. Wow. That's good. That's good. I could see you doing it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I, I remember John Wimber used to say, uh, how do you spell faith? (laughs) R-I-S-K. Which is this leaping. You you have nothing in and of yourself, but you're going to go with what 
God is beginning to give you something, and you leap, and, and it is a risk. I remember once painting a painting, um, it, and I, it was um, in Winkler during a, a conference, national conference, and I had, all I had was <clears throat> this uh, sort of like a, a hand in my face. That's what I had. To, this was what came to me, this hand sticking in my face and between the fingers you could see uh, what to me looked like the eyes of compassion and, and uh, of Jesus stretching his hand out to heal me so I could see. And so I painted it and that's what was on the painting. And then people were shouting out up in the sky, there was this uh, cloud that looked just like this in the sky so I photographed it other people photographed it as well it was just so cool sort of confirming maybe that this hand reaching towards our vision was from God it was very much like that so it's profound and 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 I walked away feeling stupid as anything because not in a bad way but I knew that it wasn't I just I was just responding inwardly to something and I, and I painted it and, and look where it took us. So, humbling is a better word, not stupid. Humbling. Like, <laughs> like you know you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Like every time I win at squash, my friend who's not a Christian says to me, Are you, do you have God helping you? And like, no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, uh, it's interesting, you know, I was going to tell... Um, yeah, and that, by the way, that's a legendary story. I have I have that on confirmation from a number of people. I wasn't there at Winkler, but um, but others were. And and uh, um, a hand on the canvas and a hand in the sky. That's it, with 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 the same with the same kind of um, perspective. Uh, it's a pretty cool pretty cool thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So my my story. I was going to tell a story that was the lowest hanging fruit for me. It was a little a bit obvious. Um, uh, direct connection to to songwriting which is my main uh, form of creativity but uh, actually something else has come to mind um and i uh so it was a little while ago a couple of years ago i think and uh, as a pastor i i had to have a very difficult conversation with someone um who was uh, uh just making some bad decisions <clears throat> and i had a great amount of fear Going into this, going into this conversation for lots of reasons, I've, I've, I felt the pressure of it, and I and I was afraid, um, and I and I didn't, and I felt like I had too much, I had more responsibility than I wanted to have, um, and I was I was being crushed under the weight of that, and I was paralyzed by it, um, and there was another person, so it was myself, this individual, and uh, one of our elders at our at our church in Cambridge was there. And so we, we stepped into this conversation, um, and uh, by which primarily the, the elder who was with me did a lot of the talking because I was literally paralyzed. I didn't know what to say. <clears throat> and, and so this conversation went on, and it was, it was really going nowhere. Uh, we were kind of going in circles, and, and I was just, and truthfully, truthfully, I was, uh, I was paralyzed. I was fearful on a number of levels. And all of a sudden, I felt this welling up of 
language. Um, and I don't mean language of tongues. That's another thing. And obviously would be appropriate to the dialogue about the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. But I felt a welling up of language, of words. And those words were difficult. And they were almost harsh. They were bracing words. Um, they were calling somebody to the mat kind of words, taking them down kind of words. Um, very forceful. And, um, and to, my, to my horror, I heard my, my voice. And I don't want to overstate this too much, but it really, I don't think I am. To my horror, I heard my voice start to say these words with ferocity with power, um, with some anger, um, but with love. All of it was, all of it was undergirded with love. All of it was directed at the best interest of this scenario, of the situation. And, um, and it was, it was the shocking experience for me. I've, I've never experienced anything like it. And if I have my choice, I will never experience anything like it again. Um, and, um, and I watched this particularly difficult, very delicate, very delicate situation um, just come right, it was right on the edge of the cliff. And I, and I watched as these words, this language just completely disarmed the situation and brought this individual back from the edge. And completely, it was like a 180 um, degree turn in terms of what happened after that moment. And, uh, and I, I feel like I was pale after we finished the conversation. I, I felt like I needed to throw up. (laughs) It was such a visceral experience. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and the thing about it is that, um, Although I have other stories that could talk about how the Holy Spirit had, you know, given a gift of language or song or partnered or inspired or whatever, um, I watched and partnered with the Holy Spirit in creating a future for somebody. That's what I actually saw happen. I watched it. I participated in it. It was, it truly was one of those moments where I would say I had, I had, I, I had nothing to do with that. In fact, I was I was as least willing as as I could get away with in that moment, and yet God moved, and yet there was I guess enough of a willingness within me to allow that to take place. Um, uh, and uh, but it was it was a, a moment of watching the Holy Spirit do what He does best and breathe life and create a future for for somebody for a family whatever, mm. and. Um, I don't think I'll ever forget it. And interestingly enough, um, I would follow God into that place again, but I wouldn't choose it. <laughs> That's a good. That's good. Not domestic. It reminds <laughs> me of the baptismal scene of Jesus and John, uh, where you have the dove present and the voice of the father and the word that always sticks out to me there is beloved uh and even though baptism and uh, john's call was to repentance right to to die basically to die to everything that uh is in your past that you've been doing your own way 
and to make a turnaround and come out of the water a new creature. And I mm, think in Chris's true. story, I hear this, this death and resurrection uh, participating in that in some way, all because of the call of the beloved is stronger than death, is stronger than uh, any wrong choices we've made. The call to be mm. the beloved is louder than all of it. And to me, that's the call of the Spirit always, to life, to be loved. And, that, and you know love. Any of us who have experienced love uh, know that it can be strong, it can be gentle, it can be even seeming harsh at times when you're really trying to protect someone um, or shake them into awareness of something, um, wake them up in some way. But this call to beloved, and I think that if we would listen to more stories and we could sit here all day and tell stories and listen to other people's stories, I think for me, the, I would always be listening to where is the Spirit saying, you're my beloved. And, and it looks different in every situation. But uh, to me, that's the, that's the constant. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Well, this has this has been uh, such a beautiful arc. This this conversation together, um, I we never quite know when we start out where we're going to go, um, and uh, uh, just as we kind of maybe bring bring things to a bit of a close, um, I think we've probably been at this for about an hour and fifteen minutes or so. Um, you know, so May May I think it's May twentieth. I my calendar's. Uh, uh, failing me right now, but I think it's May 20th. That is Pentecost for 2018. If you're listening to this this year, and um, you know, as we approach that time, you know, obviously the calendar does not amplify the power of God or the reality of the presence of the Spirit or any of that stuff. The calendar. Just like anything, all of our litur- liturgical forums and expressions of, of gathering and celebrating the story of God, um, you know, it's 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 something that's there for us. It's a form for us to remember and to enter into um, a, an ongoing reality. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so if you're listening to this, and and I mean, even for myself and for you know, for Matt and for Rick. Um, you know, looking towards a, a, a moment, a, a day on the calendar that is uh, all about recognizing this moment where the Holy Spirit um, decided to reveal in some measure of fullness uh, in a way that had been previously shrouded almost entirely in mystery and reserved almost entirely for a very few chosen um, prophets uh, or kings or whatever, um, but you suddenly have this moment where the same power of the Holy Spirit that uh, you know manifests as a as a pillar of fire and and um, just spoke so powerfully through the prophets and it suddenly became absolutely uh, accessible to his entire people, all his people, to his people. The Holy Spirit became present, not just to the leaders and not just to the mouthpieces, but to an entire, uh, to everybody. And, and, you know, 
the strangeness didn't go away. You know, the Pentecost story is absolutely filled with strangeness. Um, the kind of strangeness that has been evident even in this conversation as we struggle for language and dance back and forth and try to, you know, not figure this thing out, but, um, but to, to, to maybe stretch out the, 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 the tent pegs of our um, expectation or anticipation or whatever understanding. Um, but let's, let's point towards that. And for those of us who are um, artists or who do the creative work, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's moments like, like Pentecost Sunday or the different arcs of, of the Christian year. There's, a, there's an extra little space for us to, to maybe celebrate and tell our own stories and to remember well. And so that was part of the intention of having um, this particular theme, um, you know, now be, be leading up to this was as a, as a point of, of um, recalling and remembering and, but also pointing forward. So just an encouragement to do that. Mm. And, um, and I'm really grateful for, a, for a lot of things we've talked about, but I love the, the language that, that Matt was talking about, just the dance, this, you know, the reciprocity, the, the co-invitation, um, the invitation of God to us, the invitation of us to God, the the the, um, the spaces that uh, that that you know um, there's one. I, I often reflect that there's one area where God requires uh, an invitation. Um, you know, and that seems it seems not quite right to say, but. Um, he is everywhere and he has access to everything. And yet um, our, in our welcome of him is a welcome to, an interior, to the interior life, right? To the place where we are the queens and the kings of, the, we have our, our interior kingdoms that we lead and we have the gate. We hold the, the, the door open or shut. And so just an invitation to throw open that door to the Holy Spirit um, into, and not just in the things of creativity, but certainly into the things of creativity, to throw open the door and to invite the Holy Spirit into that place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my signing off thought, I guess. Uh, Matt, Rick, you got anything you want to? Good. Good. Uh, my signing off thought is, I remember when we were in the Dominican Republic, and again, I'm not really good with water, deep water, uh, and they had, what do you call these things? I don't know. Anyway, these things that skim across the top of the water. Oh, with the two. Anyway, words fail me. But uh, that's it. These small little catamarans that you just sit on this mesh. Anyway, it was a windy day, and we decided we'd go on this. And, you know, they just put up the sail and the, the image of spirit as, and wind being kind of the same thing. So they put up the sail and the wind takes us. And I immediately know this is going to be out of control, like so beyond your comfort zone, just in terms of speed and how much water is involved and how it feels like you could just capsize at any moment. So just let go. Just enjoy it. And I was laughing the entire time. We were so wet and we were going so fast and I just laughed and laughed and laughed because I thought, that's all I can do. Otherwise, I'd be screaming. So I laughed throughout the whole thing. And that, that's the image that came to mind when we were talking about the spirit. Um, 
And that's my signing up thought is that you can laugh or cry. So you might as well laugh and just <laughs> lose, you know, give over control, uh, give over fear. And that's the battle in my life to always give over fear because fear is paralyzing and the spirit is anything but paralyzing. The spirit's always moving. And just to be willing to move and to sit in those places where we are a little bit afraid or uncomfortable or it's uncharted territory. And just let put up the sail, let the wind catch it, and laugh. Ha 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 ha. Windblown. Good. I like That's it. my final thought. Windblown. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, listen, this is uh, Chris McQueen signing off with Matt from Montreal. Adios. And, and Rick, Rick Berry from Nova Scotia. All right. Take care, everybody. See you next time. All right.